Gracious Heavenly Father, as you sent your Son by the Spirit to come and rescue us and bring us back to you, send now your Spirit through your Word and through my words that you might continually mold us and shape us and be your redeemed people. In Jesus' name, amen. Joseph, the father of Jesus, or to be more precise, the earthly father or the earthly adoptive father of Jesus. Rather a mysterious person in many ways, somewhat forgotten. A lot is said about Mary and others, but not too much about him. We hear about Joseph at Jesus' birth, and then in Luke there's a story about him at uh, when Jesus is 12 years old in the temple, and then nothing else. And so we always uh, wonder. And some people then, because of that, presume that he died before Jesus' ministry began, but we just don't know. We don't know much about Joseph, but here's what we do know. Joseph trusted God and obeyed. Joseph trusted God, Matthew tells us, in some really tough things. He is betrothed to Mary. That means they are legally bound together, but not living together. Uh, Last week I told you marriage then was, uh, for Jewish people, was in three parts. You first signed the document and paid the bride price. That happened at once, and then there was a year gap until the third part. And the year gap was you lived apart, you probably didn't even see each other, and that was your public witness of your faithfulness to each other. There's no child already, though, and you publicly show your faithfulness apart. And then third, after that year, you are joined together physically, and you're together in your own home. And they're in this one-year gap. It's called betrothal. They're legally married but not together, which is why Matthew has the language about, uh, you know, husband, wife, divorce, that kind of thing. So they probably don't see each other, but yet Joseph is probably working hard every day to prepare to take care of his future wife and family. And in that time, in that gap, Mary, it says, was found to be with child. That means she's probably showing that she's pregnant. And Joseph finds out somehow. And you can imagine then being heartbroken and hurt. Because he knows the child isn't his. So he naturally must conclude that Mary has not been faithful, even though he has. But Joseph still loves Mary and is caring and and is merciful, but he can't marry her. She's been unfaithful, which means he can't trust her, not trustworthy. And on top of that, it would bring great shame to, to him and his family. So you can see all these things swirling in his head, saying, man, what should I do? And then Matthew says, and this is... uh, Chapter 1, verse 19, he says, being a righteous man and not willing to put Mary to shame, Joseph resolved to divorce her quietly. What a man of integrity. You know, he could have publicly shamed her, sent her away, and came out looking like the innocent and righteous man that he was. And according to some strict Old Testament law, he could have pushed to have her even put to death for her unfaithfulness, but he doesn't do that. He's merciful and compassionate. And so as Joseph tossed and turned one night, wrestling with this whole thing, something happens. An angel appears. Now you notice in the Christmas story, angels appear to people alone and separately, and then they have to trust God and trust each other. This angel only appears to Joseph and says, don't be afraid. Mary's been faithful to you. Her child is from God, and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's what 
name Jesus means, Savior. And then Joseph woke up, and just like that, the confusion was gone, the, the wrestling was gone, the, the anxiety was gone. He knew in that moment that he heard from God, and he obeyed. Joseph trusted God and obeyed without hesitating. Now, God asks Joseph to give up a lot of things here. For starters, God asked Joseph, like Mary, to give up having all the answers and having everything figured out about life and about God. God asked Joseph to trust him about Mary's child. And people might make other conclusions. And not just now, but, but throughout Jesus' life, people might whisper about the timing and the timeline of this baby. Yet, Joseph trusted God and obeyed. Now, there's another thing that God asked Joseph to give up, and that is the right to name his son. And that day, a man had ultimate authority in his family, and it was seen maybe no more clearly than in the naming of the children. What dad said goes. The father declared the name. Nobody told him. But here we are, already the second time in the New Testament in this story, first in Luke and then here, first with Zechariah and now with Joseph. God is taking that away. God is saying, you're not going to name your child. I will, and he will become his name. Jesus will be the Savior. And Again, Joseph trusted God and obeyed. Well, I wonder, as I thought about this, I wonder about me and I wonder about you. How hard is it for us to simply trust God and obey? How often do, do we know what God's will is and then just simply do it? Maybe sometimes. But what about the harder stuff? What about when... What about when you know what the right thing to do is or what God's will is, but, but it's hard? Or what about when you just flat out, you know, aren't sure you want to do God's will or, or you don't want to do it at all? Or what about when you're just not sure you really trust God? You see, I think there's a really good reason God chooses Mary and Joseph to be the parents of Jesus. Obviously, God knew he needed people of deep trust and deep obedience to God, and so he chooses them. And so Joseph believes God, takes Mary, but then right away he has to drop all his tools and whatever he was working on in order to take her all the way on this 10-day walking journey to Bethlehem for the census. And all those pictures you see of Mary on a donkey, those are probably um, wishful thinking. Because in Luke, you later find out when they give the uh, sacrifice for uh, Jesus being born and the purification of Mary, there's a few options in the Old Testament, and they gave the one for the poor people, which means they weren't wealthy. They gave the poor sacrifice, two turtle doves, not a larger animal. So it's probably wishful thinking that they had a large animal to ride on. And while they're there, Mary gives birth to the Savior. And then not long after that, an angel appears to Joseph again. We see that in uh, chapter 2, verse 13. A second time, angel appears, and not to anyone else, just Joseph, and says, Go, take your family, flee to Egypt. Herod will try to kill your son. And again here, Joseph simply trusted God and obeyed. And under the cover of night, Joseph protects his family, leading them all the way to Egypt. By the way, there was a large Jewish community in Alexandria, Egypt at the time, and then became a Christian community there because some of the earliest New Testament 
Greek manuscripts we have, even from like the third century, come from Alexandria. So it's probably where they went. And you get the notion here, though, that Joseph slept, the angel appeared, and poof, at, in that moment, he woke up, got them, and left quickly. Joseph, the, the man of integrity, the man of compassion, is the man of deep faith and trust in God. He trusted God and obeyed right away. And by the way, Herod did kill all the babies in Bethlehem. And Jesus survives because Joseph listened to God and obeyed. Now, yes, I, I truly believe that God knew what he was doing and God was orchestrating all things in his, in his salvation story for his purpose, yes. But, but if you think for a moment just on an earthly level here, Jesus comes really close to dying. And a lot of people did lose their child because of the cruelty of Herod. And it almost seems like the story just hangs on a wire here. Jesus was really close to that. Again, from an, from an earthly perspective, he's really close to dying. He was a helpless little baby, toddler at best. It reminds me of parts of the Lord of the Rings where Frodo is, you know, trying to get to Mordor, and he's, you know, only got these few people with them, and none of them are particularly helpful, and nothing seems to be going, that's not Jesus' family, but it just seems like the whole story kind of hangs on a wire, and you're not sure what's going to happen here. Jesus only lives because Joseph trusted God, believed the angel, obeyed. So again, from an earthly perspective here, reading the story, Jesus is saved, his life is saved because of his father Joseph's obedience. And that's the kind of home that Jesus grew up in. Mom and dad who trust God and teach their children, show their children what it looks like to trust God. So Jesus learned from an earthly perspective as he grew up, all those years we don't know about because the Bible doesn't tell us, he learned from mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, to trust and obey God. And Jesus saw his parents live out deep faith even when it cost them. So when Jesus grows up, begins his ministry, you see his entire ministry is simple obedience to his heavenly father. Jesus says things like, I'm here to do the will of my Father. I must do the will of my Father. It's what I came for. Jesus came to earth at the Father's will. The Father sends the Son into the world to redeem us. And Jesus lived and taught and healed and ministered because it was the Father's will that he did that. And in fact, Jesus died on the cross in part out of obedience to his heavenly Father. Jesus prayed in the garden before he's arrested and tried and crucified, and he prays, Father, is there any other way? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus grew up seeing his dad, Joseph, trust God and obey. And it was Joseph's trust and obedience that actually saved Jesus' life when he was young. But then when Jesus grows up, he, he returns the favor to his dad and saves Joseph by his own obedience on the cross. You see, Jesus as a baby was saved by Joseph's obedience. And then Joseph and you and me by faith were saved by Jesus' obedience. Jesus obeyed all of the law for you and me, did all of God's will, lived perfectly for you and me, lived the life we should have lived, was crucified for the actual sinful lives that we do live. You and I are absolutely saved by Jesus' perfect obedience 
Because Jesus trusted God and obeyed all the way to the cross and back for you and for me. And by faith, we receive that perfect record of everything that Jesus has done. And more than that, because we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we now can also pray and say, God, help me to trust and obey you even when it's hard. 